Hey friends and foes, welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott, and today we're talking about selling your artwork at conventions. Today on the podcast, I have special guest Brittany Torres talking about selling her fantasy artwork, specifically at conventions and not market shows. We're going to go through how to sell your art at a convention, what it's like selling fantasy art specifically, and all the nitty gritty details that you might want to know in case you're thinking about trying a convention yourself. Brittany, it's good to have you. Well, thanks for having me back. Yeah. So exciting to be able to to talk about things on on the art side of things. Usually, I'm on the business side of art, so mm-hmm. now now we're on the the fun the fun <laughs> side of art. So I'm I'm just so excited to all as always be a part of the podcast. Y'all might recognize Brittany from three previous episodes I've had her on Brushwork for. We were talking a lot about uh, the social media side and her art business, the social atelier. But today, it's all fantasy art and. I, I don't think I think you're my first fantasy artist here on the podcast, which is very fun. Um, I love your work. Can you describe what it is you do for people who don't know you? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you. I'm so mm-hmm. happy you like my, <laughs> you like my work. We always joke that um, you know, when I have people come up to my table, and they feel so bad sometimes because they're like, "Oh my gosh, I, I already spent my money. I don't have the money to buy." And I was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. it's okay." Um, I also take payment and compliments because <laughs> I'm an artist and we need to be validated it's true. every day It's true. To, to, to make it. Please like me. So, please love me. Um, so for those who may not be familiar with my work, hi, I am a fantasy artist. I create digital artwork. So I, I live and breathe fantasy, love fantasy, have been involved with fantasy since I was a child. I actually went to school to get a double major in English literature Mm. and medieval studies so that I could become a better fantasy writer. Oh, Red. Which I think is fantastic. (laughs) People are like, oh, did you you study the classics like literature, Emily Dickinson? I was like, "Mm, no, I studied King Arthur and Beowulf Mm -hmm. (laughs) mostly. And you'll actually see that influence a lot in my artwork. So there are a lot, a lot of um, more classical figures you'll find in my artwork, or I, I sneak mythology in there that you might not be uh, as familiar with. And it's kind of one of my great loves. That also, that schooling also really influenced my artwork because it was all women's college. And before I had gone there, I had always been taking photos of my girlfriends and uh, turning them into like these kind of fantastical pieces of course Mm -hmm. photoshop was still a little bit newer on the newer side back then it was not what it is today and so i i look back on some of those first pictures that i made in high school going (laughs) "Ooh, you tried so hard i'm so proud of you little pass (laughs) but um when i got to college and i was surrounded by these all these amazing women and um the sense of really portraying women and celebrating women that really found its mark in me as an artist and so i produce artwork that primarily and only focuses on women from myth and fantasy so i like to say that i'm telling the untold stories of those women from myth and fantasy so i really niche down really specifically (laughs) but i just i create artwork that I love. So I do that by taking photos or using photos of real women mm-hmm. and then in Photoshop painting it together into something really fantastical. 
Yeah, I show all around um, the Pacific Northwest. Um, I've started to travel out of state to show. Um, I am on Instagram. I'm online. And um, I've really, really been enjoying it. I have made the move recently, though, from selling at art shows mm-hmm. to conventions. Very different. Mm. What's so the difference? Those, those, yeah. So the difference is an art show is usually at a convention still. Could be large, could be small, but it's more of a juried show. So mm. it's it's like a baby, it's an itty bitty gallery in the middle of this crazy big convention and sometimes it's juried sometimes not but you will get into the art show and then hang up your artwork usually it's originals or limited edition prints if you're if you're like me a digital artist uh and you don't have an original you're doing a limited edition print as well as um open edition prints on the side Mm -hmm. so the great thing about that is you hang it up and you walk away <laughs> and it is a uh, a silent auction style art show so someone else is actually selling your artwork you don't have to be physically present with it that's nice. so you go and do the rest of the convention yeah and i i've been doing that since 2017 i think and wow recently in the last um about a year and a half, I started moving into convention booth selling, mm-hmm. where you're at an artist alley, you're at a table, and you're actively selling your artwork straight across the table to people who are walking up and looking at it. So but selling at both, I really love selling at both because I get so much out of each experience, mm-hmm. but they are very, very very different and it's not for everyone <laughs> um and it was a big it was a big leap into it for sure what what convinced you to change from doing the shows into doing booths oh you know there was a couple different factors mm-hmm. um one was i was so sad that i didn't get to talk to the people who bought my artwork i would just come back at the yeah. end of the weekend granted have a wonderful weekend and uh, I do really love art shows because you get to really showcase beautiful pieces. They're so they're well appreciated. You make good money off of them. And at the same time, I get to go and usually be a panelist and and talk on these panels um, and get to be a whole part of this educational side of fantasy. It is it is so (laughs) much fun. And um, I Ever since I was a teenager, my first show was when I was 17 and I went to this convention and I remember sitting in the audience going, I'm going to be up there one day. I'm going to be one of the people talking one day. And then last year, um, I last year was my first year being invited to be a panelist at that same show. So it only took about full a circle, <laughs> full, full circle. Um, you know, it only took 12 years, but I got there and it, it's such an amazing experience being a part of that community. However, I would go back at the end of the day for tear down and all my pieces would be gone. Granted, wonderful. I sold them. Sold, Fantastic. not just missing, not stolen. They're sold. not missing. They were sold, <laughs> but I didn't get to see who bought them. I didn't get to ask them what did you like about the piece? I didn't get to hear the conversations that happened around it. And I realized I wasn't getting any feedback from these shows. Enough feedback to say, oh, that one sold, but I didn't know if it was a close call. I Mm -hmm. didn't know if it sold right away. Like, 
what is this on on the selling side of things? What is making it tick and what is not? And I had no idea. So I really thought that jumping into a convention artist alley table Mm -hmm. would help me understand my clients better. See, I still am a little bit in coaching mode. My customers. (laughs) This is useful. They're, they're not separate. Understand my customers better and understand what people liked, what they would want to see more of, which pieces were they actually shying away from. So I have found that to be extremely helpful. I also thought it would be just super fun mm-hmm. to be to be that. I'm a very sociable person. I love uh, talking. I thought it would be fun to sell my artwork. I grew up always doing um, craft shows with my mom and dad or garage sales or anything. So I've always kind of been um, that personality on the other side of the table. So I was like, what a great and fun idea to be in charge of my artwork, to be selling it in person, you know, which is such a romantic idea, just being like, oh, I'll just set up a table and show myself <laughs> my artwork. Uh, big, big learning curves. I definitely think it has shown to be worth it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can absolutely see how it would not be worth it for for other artists. So there's there's definitely some steps to go through before deciding to to jump into actually either type of show. Right. Um, I so I love them both. I don't know if it's equal love yet because I'm still finding my footing at some with shows, the artist alley tables. Do you do both where you'll submit some work to a show and then also have a booth? Have you done that before? That's kind of a... a Seems like a lot, but... I actually don't know. It's not like it's not allowed. Right. But that's kind of a... That would be kind of a no-no. <laughs> you think? I mean, you saw At praise. the same show? Yeah, at the same show. Yeah. No, that that would be kind of a it's kind of an unwritten rule. Like for for the art show, say the local one here in Seattle that I go to, it's called Norwest Con. It happens every uh Easter in the spring. And there is a vendors hall where people have their booths and they have their tables set up like this. And then there is the art show, which is the one that we were talking about you set up and walk away from. Right. Because I can set up my artwork in the art show and then in addition have open edition prints, there's a limit to how many you can have on the side table, but you can have prints set up in there. If I was then to go over into the vendors hall and also have a booth there, I'd actually be undermining the art show, which they do take a commission from. And it's how they continue to be able to support and represent us artists there. So that w- that's one of those kind of unspoken rules that of course, if you've never done it, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know, know that. So, yeah. So let me spill the tea for you there. But that would be that would be kind of what you would do in that instance. Now, not every convention has a proper art show like that, like Emerald City Comic Con. They don't have a juried art show. They have Artist Alley. So instead of being in with all of the vendors in their big big booths, you instead get a table in a specific area cart called artist alley and their mm-hmm. tables end to end to end where it is just specifically artists and usually 2d artists so it's it's much harder to get in there if you're a 3d artist and when i say 3d i mean you're you're making stuff on bags and you're doing kind of more tactile yeah. things they really encourage uh 
they really encourage artists to come to Artist Alley if you are, you know, drawing, painting, doing digital, you know, hand done work, but it's more of a 2D art. And it's really kind of lovely to have that designated space that mm-hmm. those artists are celebrated. And you're like, here, little artists, here, have a safe little art space table don't get swallowed up by all the big booths so you it really just depends this isn't dependent on size either there are some really big shows Mm -hmm. um like ix which is happening right now like this week in um reading pennsylvania it's a fine art convention it's amazing you and i are are going we gotta go to this it's (laughs) absolutely insane i i have um friends showing there right now and they have both booth areas and an art show but the art show is juried mm-hmm. so i probably wouldn't get into the art show because i don't have originals so they have a little bit of different rules but i could get into the art booth you see so it's very different the difference to, yeah it's to every single type of convention but if we're talking specifically about sci-fi and fantasy art right um then you're really going to get one or two you're going to have something like Emerald City Comic Con that has a space called Artist Alley with a booth table. Or you're going to have something like Norwest Con, which is the smaller uh, convention where you have the juried art show. So those are kind of the two different places that I sell my work at. Um, and they're, they're, they're very different. Very different. <laughs> Completely different I shows. I feel like an art show in a convention would be very useful, say you were submitting work to a show that is not where you are located maybe out of state or something like that being able to ship a piece to that would be pretty handy um instead of yeah i think you've done that before right i i have i have i did this last uh last spring i think miscon is um Miss or Miss, M-I-S-S? Miss, M-I-S, for it's in Missoula, Montana. Don't tell the other conventions, but it's my favorite. Oh, yeah? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they were so kind because I had had a space. You have to buy panels. Mm -hmm. So you basically are purchasing an amount of space to show your artwork. And I had bought panels the previous year. Mm -hmm. And I had to write to them and be like, hey, I'm not going to make it uh, because of this or this with family. And so I was actually able to send in my artwork with an agent. So one of my friends was going, luckily I didn't have to pay shipping, which was amazing. But most of the time you would just ship in your artwork right. and have it delivered. So my friend took the artwork with him. The art show then hangs it up. Mm-hmm. Um I gave them a, like a little layout map, which they said they really liked. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but otherwise, they'll just hang it up, however, and then go about doing the show like normal and then ship you your artwork back along with a check. And I cannot tell you how awesome that was. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. <laughs> it felt great because I was like, wait, I don't actually have to be there promoting my artwork. It's just in the art show. Incredible. That was amazing. And I just like, I just got a check in the mail. It was such a good feeling mm-hmm. to know that my artwork was enough. Mm-hmm. Like on its own, it sold itself. I didn't have to do anything. And that, I think for me, was such a confirmation that I I, I guess I'd been waiting for to say, is this, is this good enough? Is it going to sell by itself? Do I need to be there to try and pitch it to people? Right. 
and convince them to buy it because my limited edition prints are are not uh, inexpensive. Yeah, let's just say that. So so I always just has had this nervousness around it and realizing that now I have the option. Well, I always had it, but now I believe in myself mm-hmm. enough and I have the option to mail out two shows outside of state. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting and it hope opens up this whole new world, which I haven't quite dove into yet. But, you know, it's it's on the horizon. It was kind of my 2024 project was to start mailing out to shows. I love it. That's really awesome. <laughs> And you can do it too. You can do it too. (laughs) As a fantasy artist, what are your favorite kinds of conventions to go to? Because there's many, many different ones. There's fantasy art ones. There's more general ones like um, Emerald City Comic Con that's more comic based. There's there's so many different ones out there. What what are your favorites to sell at? So I I had such a blast though selling at Emerald City Comic Con. I really did. What made it Um, distinct? Everyone at Emerald City Comic Con is so present they it's like they've waited all year long and they've the cosplays that come through and the kids that come through and just the energy in that vendor hall and artist alley is just buzzing it almost makes you feel like a little giddy because they bring in this wave of energy whenever they so there'll be lulls right mm-hmm. and people will go out and they'll go to panels or maybe there's a really big guest you know there's like a marvel person and you know so they're all gone for a minute and that's when you sit down take a break have a coffee and then you start to hear it and it's like seriously like a rumble almost because you've got so many people and they come down the hallway and they just go boosh into the artist alley and then you just got waves of people coming by now it's your job to get them to stop at your your table because they're not automatically going to stop. But feeding off that energy, it makes for s- better selling. It makes for more entertaining of a time. Mm-hmm. If you sell at a show that doesn't have a big attendance number mm-hmm. and you don't have that energy, which happened to me recently, it's really hard to enjoy selling and to to bring that energy with you. So so it is a little bit dependent on that, but I just had such a good time. I really hope I can sell again. You you do have to get into Artist Alley. So I guess it is a little bit curated because you you have to someone reviews you. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's probably so a good you, thing. <laughs> it, it is it is a good thing unless mm-hmm. they tell you no. So I've been told no before after being told yes previous years. No one knows why. We don't we don't know why. They're bringing in new people. They like mm-hmm. to switch it up. I don't know. I'm I'll try not to take it personally. <laughs> it's, but it's it's definitely something that I'm looking forward to doing uh, again. Um but you know, yeah, I don't know. The 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 two different types of shows I really and I love the the smaller shows with the with the silent auction style um mm-hmm art art show as well also probably because they also like they you can win awards there so i'm a little partial to that it's nice to win an award it feels good it's Uh, nice to see that your artwork sold and mm -hmm. that there's a ribbon hanging next to it and i tell you that's a drug (laughs) i have never that i've i've rarely felt in my life that feeling of like i need more 
I need more of that. (laughs) Feels good. So, okay, you talked about how the the energy of a crowd really changes how much you're selling your work and how much engagement you're getting. And it's, I feel like that must be something you only understand about a convention if you've gone there before. And because can can you tell that sort of thing from, I don't know, a convention's website? Like say you're like researching which ones you want to try out for, um, even to apply to. And then like, say you got in and like one of your recent experiences, you, you get in, you set up your booth and it's just like kind of a dud what how do you how do you figure that out how do you know well if you can find anyone who can tell you that let me know because <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there there is much way the best thing that you can do honestly is talk to artists who have exhibited there before mm-hmm. so to reach out to an artist like if you find them on instagram and you know they've tagged say Emerald City before and Mm -hmm. they've shown at Emerald City like you saw that I showed at Emerald City and you reach out to me and say hey I'm an artist potentially uh wanting to apply to sell this show could you tell me your experience and would you recommend this show you know that is totally fine I wish more people would do that because we're Mm -hmm. here to support each other right Mm -hmm. as artists and whether or not you apply for that show that's not competition to me right like we're all juried whether you get in or not it's not up to me helping you want to apply for this show so of course I'm absolutely going to be like hey yeah you should or maybe you shouldn't Mm -hmm. because I might be able to look at your artwork and be like Stephanie I don't think it's the right crowd for you You for abstract fine art I shouldn't put my abstract art into a a fantasy (laughs) convention that's right what I so I did that recently uh, for this last show that I did. I reached out to somebody um, through a mutual connection and said, hey, you know, I, I'm thinking about selling at this show. Um, what was your past experience? Would you say it's worth it monetarily? Mm-hmm. And and she was able to give me some some good advice. And everybody I talked to was like, oh, yeah, this show, we make good money at it. It's a fun time, all this stuff. And then I go to the show and there's no attendance. Mm. They're, they've got something wonky going on on the back end because there was nobody there. Nobody made sales. I was very fortunate to be one of the few people who made table. Um, that means that you've made back what you put into purchasing that table. Mm. So like they're going to have a table fee. So like say some um, this show was $250 to get a table. Mm-hmm for the for the weekend however then you have more expenses on top of that like insurance maybe internet if they don't Mm -hmm. provide it parking this was at the seattle convention center i had to pay all day parking food coffee you know so i had to i i made back table and expenses i was very very fortunate um but i know that the the my table mate the person next to me didn't quite make table which was just super weird for her. That's she's rough. never she's never had that happen. Mm-hmm. So there are points when you're like, I know how much I average per large show like this. Right. So you can kind of start to get an idea. I'm probably going to walk away with this range of money from here to here. Like bad day, good day. You can kind of start to guesstimate it a little mm-hmm. bit. But there are some things that are outside your control, like things on the show end that all of a sudden – Maybe there's no one there or no one's buying or the economy's gone wonky and no one has 
they're advertising is bad, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's so many Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. So even though people I talked to said, yeah, that's a great show. You should totally do it. I go to the show. I don't make a profit, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think anyone can really predict if that's going to be a good show or not. What I think you can predict is, is this show going to have people for your audience right that you want to sell to however (laughs) that's not that's not foolproof because i sold at a show called washington state uh summer con so it's uh here in my hometown of puyallup and i was like well it's close by it's it's a five minute drive it might not be my niche, right? Because they're all comic book people. Right. I mean, the entire cast of Star Trek was there. That's so cool. <laughs> it was so cool, right? But, you know, and then they had Avatar voice actors and comic people, very comic based. Yeah. Um, something larger, Emerald City, New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. They kind of have a little of everything. This was very focused on just comics. I still went because I was like, why not? I have like no overhead expenses. (laughs) My house is five minutes away. I did so well there. Really? Right. Yeah. Oh, I did fantastic sales there. And I had no way to predict that. So really, it's a little bit trial and error, figuring out where you fit, where your hidden audience might be, you know. And also, where are you going to have a fun time at? Mm-hmm. You know, if like I'm like, if I want to do one of these smaller shows with the art show where I can set up and walk away because I really want to attend the rest of the show and my artwork can be selling for me as I walk away from it, that's a big draw for me. I really want to do that. Mm-hmm. So, but if we're talking about a convention, a art table, am I going to have fun here? Is this going to be full of the type of people I want to be around and see? I would give it a year or two of experimentation. And then after that, you've, you'll have gotten a handle on what kind of shows might be the best for you. Like, I know that I'm not going to sell well at an anime convention. Right. Right. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, no, you totally could. You should. I'm like, you're, you're like, so sweet. <laughs> I don't think so. Right. <laughs> because people at anime conventions are very specific. Mm-hmm. They're very specific. They're going for artwork of their favorite people and their favorite shows and they're looking for very specific things and if i walk in there with hey here's photorealistic digital paintings of a norse goddess they're gonna be like whoa that's cool <laughs> but that's not what i am gonna spend my money on totally knowing right? your audience so is so important it, it is a little bit of a combo and i know that that is all over the place and it's not a real clear answer and that's why i said if you can find someone to tell you how to know what show to pick please send them my way because so much of it really is you can kind of just see how it's experimentation like trying here trying this seeing that talking to these people you got to really feel it out and, and find your spot i would say that when you are reaching out to people who have done shows that you're considering in the past uh if you can find people who are doing artwork that's similar to yours, you're probably going to get a more accurate representation of if it's going to go yes. well. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, if I reached out to somebody who's selling, you know, super cute corgi keychains and stickers, 
at a pink booth, uh-huh. that is not going to help me choose the the show it's because <laughs> you look at my booth and it's black with, you know, vibrant fantasy paintings. You know, I'm selling art prints and they're selling, you know, smaller things at a much, small, much lower price point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are going to have a very different draw of who's coming to our booth because you're not trying to get everybody to come to your booth. You're trying to get just the right people to stop mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Your, your booth. And I say booth, I mean table interchangeably. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of tables, can you verbally walk me through your setup of what your, your booth and table, <laughs> what it looks like? Oh my goodness. Such a work in progress. Every time it's a little bit. I know it's evolving. T- You've been doing this for how many years now, real quick? Oh, about a year and a half. Year and a half for for the tables. Yeah, I've been doing the art shows, the jury shows for. Let's see, math six six or seven years. Let's focus on the artist alley tables then. So I'm sure your setup changed dramatically from when you first started to what it is now. Absolutely, I um <laughs> I helped Brittany at a convention, uh, Geek Girl Con, which was pretty fun, and I was there giving her breaks and coffee and stuff like that. And I was like, I was life so impressed. <laughs> I was so impressed Such with a your setup. <laughs> it was super fun. And, you know, is, uh, can, can you talk about what that looks like and give people an image? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's everyone has different setups and it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. As an artist or a vendor, you walk around usually before the shows start and kind of look at everybody else's. And it's really your time to shop Mm -hmm. because we don't have customers yet. And so it's pretty safe to leave your booth and walk around. Um, And I love looking at people's displays and seeing how I can improve. And I actually made some last minute adjustments to my table um, based on what I saw from other people. And that's how I get really educated about it. That and TikTok has Mm -hmm. been very helpful (laughs) for, for, things and I actually just made a TikTok about, you know, things that at my art table that just makes sense. And they're they're little things that I've just improved with over time. So the first thing that you do is you figure out your table uh cover and your backdrop. Mm-hmm. Most most conventions will give you a skirted table. That doesn't mean there's a top to it necessarily, but there will be a skirt around the bottom. However, I have found, depending on the convention center you Mm -hmm. go to, or the fairgrounds, or the hotel, or wherever you're at, they're all going to be different colors. Emerald Cities was green. I had another one be red. This one was black, which was nice, but then the tabletop was white. So that didn't work for me. So I usually bring um, a tablecloth Mm -hmm. that covers it. Again, you have to a lot for are you going to be given a six foot table or an eight foot table because mm-hmm. your your artist alley could give you either one. Usually they'll let you know ahead of time so you can plan for it. That's nice. really changes my table setup a lot. Mm-hmm. Then my background, uh, I use everyone does different, but I have like a photography extendable background um, poles mm-hmm. and I, you know, you can have. Uh, you can have curtains, you can hang your artwork off of it, you can have banners, so many different things. I have curtains because that is the easiest and I will always pick the easy route. And then I have a banner with my artwork hanging off of that as well. Um, so 
that's all black as well. I very much want my artwork to stand out. I want my colors of my artwork to stand out because I know that for my customers, the vibrancy of my art is one of the main selling points. So I do everything I can in my booth to make the color stand out more. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, I have that. One of the big things about setting up your table is finding height. Mm. You are allowed, we'll just go with something like Emerald City Comic Con because they have the strictest um, rules about your table setup. Some oh. other ones are like, we literally don't care, do whatever. But Emerald City is very strict. Um, you are allowed for your backdrop to go up to eight feet in the artist alley. Mm-hmm. And then from your table, you are allowed to have displays go up four feet from the tabletop. Oh, wow. Very specific. Mm -hmm. The one, the show that you helped me with that, they were like, whatever, here's your table. (laughs) It was great. (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) nice. But everybody is going to find different ways to create that height because you only have, have so much table space and your art prints take up space. So for me, I have a magazine rack that sits on top of my table and that holds a lot of product. It's so nice. It not only displays the artwork, but it holds all the extra products so people can just grab a print and go. Nice. I love that. Um, it was an investment, but it has it has been fantastic every time. So it's paid itself back. It did the work. Fabulous. Um, I, I'm a little different. I'm very picky about my display. You should be the picky, average right? person. <laughs> the average display, um, probably the most easiest, is to have a portfolio book. So you put in your art pieces, and people can flip through it. I don't like that though, for me, because I feel like only one person can come up to my table at a time, mm-hmm. and I know from having done the shows, I know that one of my selling points is people being like really, like almost overwhelmed with the color of my artwork when all put together. And so I just like to like shove it in your face a little bit. <laughs> so I love to display all my prints. So I have these little stands where I can uh, set my prints up and they have a backing board on them so that they can stand up and stand all along the table and all be displayed out. Nice. Um, so I, I absolutely love having that. This time I tried something new. I always like to try one new thing at a show. So this time I actually brought along two of my limited edition metal prints. Oh, yeah. That's and right. um, displayed those um, on a me- metal grid that stood up behind my table and I uh, brought along some clip-on lights so that they were a little illuminated and the very shiny. They didn't sell, but the shininess of those metal prints with the light illuminating them like drew people in like an anglerfish. I was just like, come <laughs> look at what's shiny because light, gold, foil, something shiny, mm-hmm. something sparkly, something turning, whatever it is. People are magpies at these shows. You have to, you have to, you have to grab them, because after a <laughs> while they start to see the same thing over and over and over. So you have to have something. And so this time I was like, let's try this, and it worked very well because people really liked it. And then they would go and buy the cheaper paper print. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I might keep doing that if I'm able to to work that easily into my my reoccurring booth setup. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty fun. There's all sorts of tips and tricks for like behind the scenes, you know, how do you bring your pieces in and out? Some places 
like a big convention center will have carts that you can use. Other places will not. And so you have to bring a wagon. I have a wagon. A lot of people use very big suitcases, which Mm. is genius Mm because they can just pop a ride into an elevator. Um, So it really depends on what your booth pieces break down to, to see kind of what size do you need? Do you need a wagon? Do you need a cart? Do you need a suitcase or what, what have you? But it takes a while to figure it out. My first Emerald City Comic Con, I had two friends help me set up. And I think we did two car, two trips from the car. We had wow. like a wagon. We had somebody carrying this, somebody carrying that. There was just boxes kind of falling <laughs> everywhere. There was no organization. I had no idea what I do, was doing. Also, it was my very first table show. I just was like, you know what? Let's just jump into the deep end and see if we sink or swim. <laughs> like if we're good. <laughs> Did you did you set up your setup at home first? Did you try it out, or no. just like we're just going, we're just going? <laughs> said, let's let's try. It. I talked it through like with my my mom, who's the queen of of art sh- uh, craft shows and things. Mm-hmm. So I I borrowed stuff from her, but we did. We had no idea what we were doing. It was just it was just a hodgepodge of putting together things, and we're like, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> and you know what? It was fine. It all worked out. It works out. I, I didn't have I didn't have the best display. I just honestly, I mostly had my prints just sitting, like laying on the table. Perfect. And people would walk up and pick them up and look at them and then mm-hmm. buy them. And so, it worked fine. And so, a lot of times we can get really intimidated to end up not even starting because we're like, well, I don't have all the booth stuff. Mm-hmm. Because you see these people who that that's what they do. There are so many people who are artists who that's how they sell art. They travel around the country and they are doing two to three conventions a month Mm -hmm. and they're going around and traveling. They have this down and that's who we're comparing ourselves to being like, wow, look at that person's booth. They have a custom printed backdrop and their people are flocking to their tables. And it's like, yeah, they've cracked the code. Well, of course they have. They're their pros job. at yeah. <laughs> this. This is their job and they do it well. They know their audience. They know what they want. Like, so I was feeling really intimidated by that the first time I went there. And I was really fortunate having done the big show the first time, mm-hmm. I think, because I was able to walk around, see everything and talk to people. I talked to so many artists and I was unashamedly curious. I'd be like, hi. This is my first time at this show. Do you have any advice for me? Hi, this is my first time ever selling at one of these shows. I don't know what I'm doing. Could you give me some advice? I would straight up just introduce myself and say that. And they were so kind and so helpful and be like, hi, I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing, but your backdrop is amazing. Can you tell me where you bought that? And guess what? They absolutely did. They're like, let me write down the website for you. They're so kind. So nice. I got I got advice at that show that has made me so much more money. I, I can't oh. I can't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> My best piece of advice, we were sitting down in, in Emerald City was great. They gave us our own lounge, which was so nice to just take a break in. And I was talking to this person and I was like, he's like, Have you done? I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, Well, what's your sales report? I'm like, I, I don't know. He goes, Give your give me your machine. I'll show you how to look up your sales report and gauge how you're doing. And he taught me how to read 
my, my sales nice. and read. Yeah. And understand that. And then I was like, I don't know how to make more sales. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what I do. He goes, you have to stand the entire time. I'm like, wait, sorry. No. <laughs> it's a long I time. <laughs> I don't want to stand for four days. I was like, why? And he goes, he goes, you will do a th- one third better sales than everyone else around you who's sitting because you're eye level with your customers walking by because they're more apt to buy from a person. You will, you'll automatically, it's just a sales trick. You'll automatically bring them in. Like, why do you think a a salesperson walks up to you in a store instead Mm -hmm. of just letting you buy your handbag? They're going to walk up to you and say, hello, hi, what brings you in today? Can I help you? I would love to help you. That's just what I'm doing from behind the booth saying, hi, hello. Do you like this? Maybe you would like this one instead, you know? And so that, once I started doing that, really helped my sales. A lot of times I would spark, start, you know, spark a conversation with somebody who had been about to walk away. I started chatting with them. They learned about the piece, realized I was the artist, looked at it a second time, walked away with a $40 print, you know? It. So it was really invaluable advice and and really made me start to realize how much effort goes into these shows, not from the setup, but from the selling part, Mm -hmm. from how much of your sales depends on you, the seller, because you could have amazing, beautiful artwork, but if you're not doing anything to sell it, to talk to people, to bring in those sales, to build that interest, connection, build an audience, which you and I talk about a lot, your sales are going to suffer obviously. So there are those people who are the exception, of course, who are going to buy it, whether or not you are standing there or not. Mm -hmm. I've even had people be like, I just would like to look in silence if that's okay. And I'm like, great. (laughs) I'm going to be fine. Um, So of course, there there are those people who are like, regardless of you, the seller, I was interested in just the art. But when we're talking about these big shows, there's so many artists to look at. People are so overwhelmed. They're so visually overstimulated that having a face, having a conversation with somebody helps them stop, look at, and appreciate the art for what it is instead of just glancing at it and, and continuing to walk away. Because they, they actually might not be able to find you again because some of these shows are so big. I used to write the my booth number on the back of my business cards at the show so they could find me again. And I had people come back three days later being like, oh, my God, we found you. Thank goodness. <laughs> we, we, we've been lost. Before I helped you that one weekend, um, I had only been an attendee at these shows. And the overwhelm when you go into an artist alley is it's hard to describe because there's so much to look at. And you're like, you as the, the collector or the one wanting to purchase something because you, you go into an artist alley because you want to buy something is like, okay, how do I find something I like? And how do I not get distracted along the way? And how do I not get decision fatigue before I get to the booth I actually want to go to? It's I feel like booth placement is a big factor in how lucky you can be in getting a sale interesting you say that because i i would actually disagree about the booth placement because i think convention goers are more thorough than any other crowd i've ever seen because they want to make sure they've never they've not missed anything they will go up and down the rows everyone has a system of how they go through the rows and Mm -hmm. they'll be like okay we're going to take a break we're going to start back on aisle g tomorrow you know so they (laughs) you really are going to be seen if you're in the artist alley now if you are an artist 
who did not get into the artist alley and you got a booth, like a 10 by 10 booth, and they put you in the vendor's hall, mm. then booth placement is a thing. Because does that if you're, a lot? It does. Like if you're was talking to a guy who sells comic art mm-hmm. and he said that that happened to him once and he got placed facing a wall and no one like even knew that aisle was there and so they completely missed him and he had the worst show of his life and so he said always try and get into the artist alley because for an artist booth you don't know where you're gonna get placed Mm -hmm. but when people come to the artist alley they know where they're at they know what to expect they know that if they go up and down every one of these rows they're gonna see art and that's what they're there for my job on my side of the table yeah is to address some of those things that you said were doing the overwhelm Mm -hmm. one of those things is like the overwhelm sensoriness of it it's one of the reasons why i like to have an all black booth it's very unique i don't really see a lot of people really playing into the the black even my curtains are black velvet to try and like suck up the light so that there's there's a place for your eye to rest because everyone gets so overwhelmed i i get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. when i'm standing in one spot looking around right so Having a having a booth that is set up that can be very inviting, that can be an eye like a space for your eye to rest is very important to me. Decision fatigue, big thing for mm-hmm. people coming through. So if you're an artist wanting to start selling at conventions, know that part of your job is to help people to decide to buy your print because they could love it. But guess what? There's three other artist alley tables that they love also. Mm -hmm. And they left those ones to go look around to gauge whether or not there was something they loved more before going back to them. You don't want to be another one of those. You Mm want to be the more that Mm -hmm. they decided. Because when I go as an attendee, I go with cash. I'm smart. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I got a budget. (laughs) (laughs) You got to budget yourself. I have to have cash or else I, I can't be trusted so i'm like hey i've got a hundred dollar bill and that's all i have to spend on this artist alley which means i can get two to three prints depending on the price which means i'm going to be very very picky so you have to assume that every single person coming to your table has a budget and they have to decide to spend some of that precious budget on your piece so I have a lot of work cut out for me because I have quite high priced prints. I do all my printing myself and, and I have quite large prints. So I'm a little bit on the higher uh, side of the, the pricing scale. So I, I definitely made my work cut out for me there. So I, it's one, of my, one of my jobs is to help convince you, be like, hey, do you love this piece? Can, where would you want to hang it? Mm-hmm. Like all, all of these tips and tricks that I have to to talk to my future customers and be like, this is the piece you want to buy because otherwise you're going to just keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and then eventually get overwhelmed and fatigued and not want to buy anything. <laughs> I, I know that some listeners are going to be curious. Um, can you tell me the price range of your prints from your smallest to your largest? For, for me? Sure. Mm-hmm. So I do a couple different things. I have stickers. Mm-hmm. So I have $3 mm-hmm. stickers. Um, the range that you're going to see for stickers goes from about two to five. Um, and then I have a mystery bag, which has about five four by six prints and one sticker in it. And that's $10. Mm-hmm. So people who I, I get those for people who can't decide what they want. So I'm like, here, 
have a bag. You don't have to decide. You're going to get five random prints and you'll be happy. And they are. And I sell, yeah. quite, a, <laughs> I sell quite a few of those uh, for people. So that's a smaller ticket item. Very good to have a couple different smaller ticket items. Mm-hmm. Some people have uh, bookmarks for $10. I've seen $7, Cute. five by seven prints. So that's a bit on the smaller side. Um, about middle range is where I have my eight by 10 prints. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's cracking the code a little bit on big conventions because a lot of people have bigger prints and small prints. And I was like, I'm going to have medium prints. <laughs> so the me- my medium prints, 8 by 10s ready to just go in any standard frame, are $25. Mm-hmm. And that's a real cushy spot right there because all of the indecisive, <laughs> the budgeters, they can fall in love with a piece and then realize they can buy it smaller for 25. And so my biggest sales are actually in the 8 by 10s Are they really? Wow. They are, yeah, because people will look at my big prints and go, I don't have anywhere to hang that. Mm-hmm. I don't have this much money, whatever the reason is. And they'll be like, well, did you see over here? Mm-hmm. I have it as an 8 by 10 And they go, <laughs> or they're like, oh, I can't decide which big print I want, this one or this one. I go, well, why don't you buy both of them for only like 10 more dollars because they're buying two for 50 or one for 40 so that's one of my big selling my big selling points is to get them to buy that so i actually made 10 extra dollars and they got they walked away without having to choose love it so then you get to my big prints which are um either 11 by 14 or 11 by 17 depending Mm -hmm. on the design of the print and those um are 40 dollars mm-hmm so I do, my prints are matte prints. Um, I do the printing myself. And then you also have to factor in, so not only my printer, my ink, the time it takes, but also then I have to get the packaging, which is right. the plastic packaging and a backing board. And the backing boards are expensive. They're more expensive than you think they would be. <laughs> they 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 are. So, I mean, obviously, if you can buy a larger amount, you'll go down, but... If you're just buying like, oh, here's an emergency 25 boards, which I had to do like two weeks ago, they came out to like $2 a board and that adds up. And then the weight of those adds up. It just, mm-hmm. it kind of it all adds up after a while. So um, it's, I, I stand by my prices because that's what I sell them. I sell them for that across the board, no matter what convention I go to. Some people will sell them cheaper because they're at a certain show or here or there. And I say, nope, this is the price mm-hmm. you're going to get everywhere. For myself, I, I think your prices are really reasonable, actually. I When I oh, think of goodness. print prices, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's how much something like that would cost with the packaging and everything. I'm like, yeah. And then you have your metal prints, too. And those are like your highest end items, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those, I do do a show special for those. Because I don't have to ship them or oh, anything. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So you can just walk away with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so at my shows, my big metal prints, which are 20 by 30. They're big. Um, they are uh, for sale for 375 mm-hmm. which is very low. Y'all, they look so good. <laughs> it's, that's very, it's, that's a steal. Yeah. So if you are trying to get a metal print from me, that is the time to buy it. Because mm-hmm. at a art show the one where i hang them up and walk away they are much much more and Mm -hmm. also they are uh you have the potential to be outbid for those 
So I've had that same piece sell for a minimum of 450 and then it's been bid up to like 600 before. So buying those those big ones for me, if you're looking for a deal, that's where your deal is, is on the limited edition mm-hmm. ones. Or if mm-hmm. I could sell one to you there and then and then deliver it to you later, that would work too. But so everybody kind of has different pricing and honestly, you just kind of have to try it and figure it out mm-hmm. along the way and, and go from there. And that's okay. Like that's okay to try it and see, wow, no one bought it for that. I'm going to change it up and, and try something different. I used to sell my prints for um, $15 at shows. That's too cheap. That's <laughs> It's, too this was a long time ago. This was when I first started. Like I said, I a year started and a half ago. In, 20, in 2017 was my first okay. show. And I think my, my prints were $15. And um, I'm very proud of myself for listening to mm-hmm. my art mentors when they told me, you have to raise your prices, Brittany. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no one's going to buy them. And of course, they were right. And I did what they said. And they raise it. So I'm, I'm very grateful to, to have people in my life like that who can look out for me and be like, all right, here, we're telling you from experience, we can judge the audience for you. Here's our advice, but it is up to you to listen to it. One more question on, in money. I am curious for someone who has never done a convention, what is the average upfront cost for just getting your booth, getting all your materials for, for you personally? Um, and just, what is your table cost? Just say it, but it depends on the show. It depends on the show. So, say it's like a small yeah. show. A small show. The one that you went to me with, yes. um, which was super fun to do with you, uh, that was two fifty. Mm-hmm. And then the one here in uh, Puyallup was two fifty as well. The difference is though, is that this Puyallup one had free parking. Yeah, and free internet, and you know, so just some other things. Whereas this last one I did at the convention center, you had to um, provide proof of insurance. So I had to buy a three-day insurance pass from insurance carrier. I almost had to purchase internet. I had just enough. I had one bar of cell service in there. So I had just enough to run my square reader, but several people had to purchase internet. Mm. And then I also had to do, like I said, food Food, coffee, of course. That's coffee. I count that as an expense. Yeah, and then parking. So my my actual cost for this last show was four twenty. Okay, see, that's really good information. I w- would have thought it would be much more than that. So <laughs> that's it's you interesting. Know, I yeah. I finagled and did everything I could to mm-hmm. keep it lower. It was going to have to be higher, but I didn't have the money. So yeah. I was like, we're going to pack lunches we're gonna do whatever we can gonna get scrappy (laughs) something larger like emerald city comic-con which Mm -hmm. has you know forty thousand people go through it that artist alley table um either a six foot or an eight foot depending on on the year uh was 450 and then they provided um you know internet and, and space and all of that it does not provide electricity. I do want to mention that for anyone thinking about doing an artist alley table, electricity is never included in your table price. That is an additional cost, mm. uh, which I found not that I need it, but I was I showed up to my very first convention like without a battery pack because I just thought I would charge my phone. Right. 
And I just assumed that there would be a plug-in near me. I don't really know why, but that's a good tip. That is something to be <laughs> to be learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are applying for these shows and you're looking at the cost, it may say two fifty, and you're like, sweet. And that at my Puyallup show here, it was two fifty, and that was the end of it. Great, made lots of room for profit. However, there's going to be other shows that have more expenses tied to it. So. That would be something to look at. They will usually have all of that information posted. You just have to be able to have the patience to read through all of it, Mm -hmm. look at it, and then, um, you know, not be afraid to email the people. There's always going to be a um, exhibitor contact. Usually it's it's, that's who it is, is an exhibitor contact. And you can reach out to them and say, hey, I'm trying to make sure I have all the additional costs accounted for. Do you provide this, 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 or that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be afraid to reach out for to people and get educated on that. I'm keeping a spreadsheet now of all the conventions I've done and the costs associated with it because I don't ever want to have surprise costs again, honestly, <laughs> if I revisit this. So I would say whenever you do a show, keep track of those costs and those expenses because your first show Maybe you didn't make enough profit that you're like, wow, this is was super worth it. But now that you've done the show, you know what the expenses are. You know how to set up your booth maybe a little bit better. Mm-hmm. The next show, you might make a lot more profit because you'll have kind of come in a little bit more prepared. So sense. doing a show once, you can never quite fully judge a show off of one one time. That's, that's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my, I have two more questions for you and then we'll wrap up. Um, you've given some really great advice for a beginner in, in, in this, uh, in, in this kind of space. Do you have any other advice that you want to give to the good people who want to try selling their art in an artist alley? <laughs> things, things that you wish you knew when you started? <laughs> I wish I just would have known how much mental energy it took. Oh, Yeah. I, you know, I didn't just one of those things you come out of it and you're like, yeah, I should have assumed that. But for some reason, I, I didn't go into it. I didn't go into it with a selling mentality. So I went into it with like, I'm going to show up and show my artwork and people are going to buy it. Mm. But I didn't go into it with this idea that I was going to be standing there and actively be a salesperson and promote and pitch my artwork to everybody walking by. I very quickly learned and I was very quickly exhausted. So now when I go in, I do everything I can to set myself up for success um, for that selling. Things like making sure I have business cards and and putting them in multiple spots on my table because Mm -hmm. people are going to come up and grab a card while you're talking to somebody else, right? So having that work for you, one less conversation I have to worry about, right? Making sure I'm hydrated, I have snacks to keep your energies up because the moment your energy dips, it is so much harder to sell. It is so much harder to care oh, yeah. <laughs> and put that energy in because you've seen a thousand of these people already, but that person walking by has never seen you. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that if you're going to miss out on your biggest sale of the day. So prepping yourself that way, just making sure you're just set up for success. I bring, I wear comfortable tennis shoes. I bring a squishy floor mat 
to stand on to make sure that I'm comfortable throughout the day. Just doing everything I can to selfishly like take care of myself because that all goes into the sales outwards, right? All that energy you're putting out, all the mental energy and emotional energy you're putting out to make that sale, you have to keep that up. So taking care of yourself and then just going in mentally preparing for a long day of selling. Now, some people are not like that. Some artists are very introverted. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, joke's on you. I don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) One, is this the best show for you? Two, going into it, that is totally okay. I see a lot of artists who are sitting, drawing on their iPads actively during the show or something. Just know that it is going to hurt your potential sales. Mm -hmm. Like I... I will make, if someone was doing the exact same thing as me with the exact same art next to me, but they were sitting down and writing or drawing and I'm standing here selling, I am going to make more money than you. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. I am coming at it from from the viewpoint of someone who has been in marketing, has been in business, who is very sociable. So I do find it easier than others. So if you're going into this as a first-time seller, and you're like, this is where my people are. I know my art's <laughs> going to do well, but I myself am not looking forward to all that mental and emotional energy you say that I'm about to put out. One of the things you can do is just set yourself up for success. Make sure you're comfortable. Make sure you're you're well taken care of in, in your body and your voice and your comfortability. But I'll, but know that you're going to be putting that out there. And the more you can afford to put out there, the more sales you're going to make, the more connections you're going to make. Because you have to be ready. Because there are going to be people who love your artwork. I had a girl come up to me this last weekend. It was the best experience. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It was so it was so amazing. I, like, almost cried because she runs up to me and she goes, it's you. And I'm like, Stop. yes, it's it's me cute and she goes I've seen and I've bought your artwork at every other show but I've never actually got to meet you and I was like what so she's seen me at these other art shows she's Mm -hmm. seen my pieces um but because I wasn't standing there actively selling like I was here she had never got to meet me um she proceeded to tell me about these shows and we talk about her and she bought a bunch of artwork which I think it's the only reason I was success because she sweetly bought a whole bunch of artwork. Um, but just that feeling of of because I was standing there and she looked at my artwork, she looked at me, she was able to make this connection and come up to me as a fan, best experience that an artist can have. Absolutely better than selling. She could have walked away and not sold, you know, bought anything and I would have been thrilled. Um <laughs> But if you're sitting down and you're not putting out any of this energy, are your fans of your artwork, because there are going to be those, they're mm-hmm. going to be fans of just your artwork, are they going to be able to come up to you and talk with you, make that connection? People love seeing who's behind the art. They love the artists. That's why people have Patreons. That's why they watch lives. That's, That's why they watch Twitch. Like They want to see the person. They want connection especially in sci-fi and fantasy, because a lot of us are nerds. A lot of people that I see, this is their big outing. This is their, you know, football game. This is when they go out to be sociable. Mm -hmm. Are you depriving yourself of 
a huge amount of sales because you're not willing to put out the effort and energy. So that's it's a bit of a twofold answer. Those are the taking care of yourself so that you can put out that energy. Big, big part. I wish I had put more effort into that. Mm-hmm. I do now and it, sure it do. <laughs> definitely helps me survive the weekend. But then the other part is being willing to put out that energy. Be willing to sell yourself in your artwork. And I know it's not easy, but just being willing to do it is the is the first step, I think. And I, I wish I would see more artists be willing to do that who are coming to these shows and be very proud of their work and and sell it with their head held high and, and not hide because people want to see you. They want to talk to you. Even if you're nervous, half of them are nervous to come up to talk to you anyway. So we can all be nervous together. I definitely had moments where I knew an artist that I liked um, was going to be at a convention. And then I like went to the artist alley and I was like all excited to see them. And then they were just like totally shut down in their corner. And I was like, I was about to gush about how much I loved you, but never mind. <laughs> right? Yes. No, it's it's so true. I, I ran up to a booth of an artist I follow on TikTok. I was like, oh my God, she's here. And mm-hmm. I got to talk to her in person. And I I felt like I could walk up and I bought a print and I could walk up to her and ask, could you sign this? Could I get a picture with you? Because she made herself available mm-hmm. very much so and was like, absolutely nice to meet you. And that like I was almost crying. Like Aww. I'm an artist myself. And I was just like, I can't believe I get to meet this person. This is so cool. So that experience has stuck with me, which in turn probably makes me want to buy more artwork in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're having trouble getting out of that shell, maybe trying to like look across the table, be selling, think about you're making an investment in your in your future sales, Mm -hmm. in your future success by talking to that person now. Mm -hmm. I also always say, and this comes from the coaching side of me, but what does my artwork deserve? Does my artwork deserve to just sit there and hope it's going to be seen by somebody? Or does my artwork, which I love and I've poured my heart and soul into, does my artwork deserve to be seen? Does it deserve to be talked about? Does it deserve to be sold and go to its forever home with somebody (laughs) hang on their wall every day? Like, I want that for my artwork. I think my artwork deserves it. So it's not always about... How do I feel? Like, what do I want to do? It's like, what what am I willing to do for my artwork? And if you're already at one of these shows and you've invested in a table and you've, you've invested in the time and energy to do this, you're halfway there. Mm-hmm. So it's okay if it takes a couple times, but selling your artwork, it, it's, it's going to be easier if you stand up. It's going to be easier if you make eye contact, but you don't have to, but it's, it's, just having conversations with people, your artwork will at that point start to sell itself. But but being an advocate for your for your artwork is, is just so important. That's really excellent advice. <laughs> That's so sweet and, and true and good. Ah. I I love the part about taking care of your your body taking care of yourself physically and that's really important. And I feel like one thing we haven't talked about yet is um having people come help you if you need it at a convention is nice. Brittany, I feel like you always make sure that you have someone at each day that you're at a convention to like let I you do. take a break and stuff like that and finding friends that are trustworthy enough to to do that for you, especially when you're beginning. That's important. 
Yeah, I I can handle a little bit better now that I've done it quite a few Mm -hmm. times. Having help is so essential because otherwise you feel like you can't leave your table, like you're chained to your table. People. You gotta, you and gotta go like, have a pee I, at some point. Like, <laughs> right? You need a break. You just need to recharge your batteries. You have to go get a coffee, mm-hmm. walk around, stretch your legs, whatever it is. And it is, if you have to, you absolutely can ask the person next to you, "Hey, can you watch my booth for a second? I'll be right back." And there are times when that is absolutely appropriate, where you're like, "I have to go refill my water bottle. I'm gonna run. I'll be right back." And I would say, if it is five minutes or less, that's totally acceptable. Yeah. It, if you are new to shows, um, just know that if you need to be gone for five minutes or more, that is when I would suggest you have a booth partner mm-hmm. or a helper mm-hmm. come by. So if you don't have somebody with you the whole time, you can have a friend who is going to a show. So usually what I do is uh, because I don't have a full time uh, partner doing this with me at shows. Right. I take my second badge and, and most times when you are doing an artist alley, that table, that $200, $400 fee is covering your badge as well, your entrance badge hmm. for the show. And they will always give you a second one. I've not ever had any any show not give me a second badge because they assume that you're going to have two people behind the table. That's nice. So I usually give that second badge. I've, this is my... This is how I do it. I don't know how anyone else does, but how I do it is I offer that second badge to a friend and I say, hey, I will I will give you this badge, which gives you free admittance to the show, to anywhere you want to go in the show, um, because your your exhibitor badge usually opens a lot of doors. So I was like, hey, do you want full access to the show? Here you go. My request is that you stop by every hour and a half to two hours to check on me so then people will also like emerald city it was great because it saved my friends a lot of money which felt really good Mm -hmm. um it let them go see the show and have fun and come and tell me about it (laughs) and then i was able to say okay you know they come back and they're like hey how you doing i was like great i'm gonna go take a break and I leave for 15 or 20 minutes and go take a break, you know, and if you're doing a 10 or 12 hour day, it's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a friend who is competent enough to run a sale because people won't come back, just assume they'll never come back. True. It's just, you would <laughs> like to think so. It very rarely happens. So they just need to be able to run a square, you know, card reader and then you know, feel comfortable being there by themselves. They don't have to actively sell the artwork, but just feel comfortable to man the booth and kind of, you know, be a body behind the table for me. That's really my big requirement. And it has worked out great. I mean, my sweet husband came with me one day to be my booth helper and he was mostly behind the table the whole time. And I realized I actually didn't like having someone behind the table. Not that I don't like him, but (laughs) I was like, I actually, like being the only one behind the table because I'm talking the whole time. There's no question of who the artist is. Um, I was more recharged by having somebody stop by once in a while, um, maybe bring me lunch, bring me a coffee like you did. You mm-hmm. you ran to FedEx and got us tape because things were falling down. <laughs> like it's to have an emergency helper is so great. And if I can pay you in, in the a payment of a a ticket of admittance 
and save you anywhere from thirty to seventy dollars. It's a pretty sweet deal. So pretty great. I know a lot of people who have somebody there all day long, and if that's one of the things stopping you as an artist trying to do these tables for the first time, I would say. Don't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. Find somebody who's like, heck yeah, I would love a free badge to this show. I'll I'll swing by and bring you coffee or man mm-hmm. your booth for a half hour. Like, it's no big deal. So relying on those friends around you is, is so important. And I was taught that from very early on in my art showing career with, um, because I didn't know how to do anything. So my art mentor, uh, his name is Rob Carlos. He helped me set up for my very first show and has for many years um, taught me how to do this and like checked in and and done all that and shown me that you don't have to do it alone. Right. Right. Like it's okay to have your tribe around you, to have those people who love you and your artwork um, come around you and, and help you because you really shouldn't have to do it on on your own and it's really scary the first time you do it whether it's a convention show or a you know a juried art show both are very scary to set up for and um but it's very worth it and it's very exciting to do and I'm reaching out for advice and help that's one of the beauties of social media I think and I I hope people take advantage of that I love getting questions on my all my stuff. I have a reel that uh, unintentionally got very popular. I would say it's viral. It's viral. Can, can you say it's viral? At what point does a reel go viral? It has like 100,000 views, right? Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. viral. 117,000 views. It's all my 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 Instagram. It's the only notification I get anymore, It's which is weird. Um, but I, I did a fun, it was just a funny video um, about the different types of customers you see uh at a convention when you're selling so from your side of the table who do what what are the types of people you see on the other side and you start to see the same person over and over again so we were kind of poking at that and having a laugh at it (laughs) and the amount of people in the comments going this is so true this is so funny like i see this and the amount of artists who sell at shows who have all seen the same thing was hilarious but also in the comments you know, I'd get questions about where are you selling at? What is that? How do I do this? How do I get into a show? And I was able to give advice to complete strangers just because we connected on social media over it. Um, And so I hope that, you know, more and more artists get the confidence to try out for these shows and, and just go for it because there's really nothing to lose and you might actually have a ton of fun doing it. Brittany, what's next for your fantasy art? You know, making some more would be very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I work very slowly. I am shockingly slow. People always ask me, are you open for commissions? And I've just started to say no, because I I work so slowly. But at the end of the day, uh, for me, um, fantasy art is still a hobby. And I know that is very different than a lot of my friends who are fantasy artists. It's their career. It's their full-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they definitely approach it differently than I do. I approach it probably too casually because my whole goal is just to make artwork that I like and to have some fun along the way. Mm-hmm. And selling the artwork is, is part of the fun. And it, it keeps me going to the shows that I want to just attend and, and have fun with. So 
I don't usually have a huge plan, but my, my next goal would be to get into another show like Emerald City. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be fantastic. I would love that. Um, and that's in next March. So we'll cross your fingers on those applications. Fingers crossed. Um, but my next confirmed show is NorwestCon, which is the sci-fi, the like premier sci-fi and fantasy convention here in the Northwest. Uh, it's been around for, I think this is year either 45 or 46. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, when is that? Yeah, it's, it's been around a long time. It's the last weekend of March. Uh, it's always on Easter weekend. So no matter what. What day? The, yeah. the date you can always find it. It's that weekend. It's at um, a hotel in SeaTac, so very easy for me to get to. Um, and I love it. It will be my it will be my forever show. So no matter what I do, I love the people who are in charge of the art show. Are wonderful people. Um, I've met all of my art mentors there. I I didn't want to even be in my first show there. I got. <laughs> but your mentor was I, like, I was, "You gotta." <laughs> He did. He did. He absolutely did. Because I was learning how to do artwork. And he's like, you have to be in the show. I go, no one wants to buy this. Like, I don't want to be in this show. And he goes, you're going to be in the show, Brittany. And <laughs> I, I, I entered. I had like four pieces in it. Sold one. And I was hooked. I was like, this is awesome. But I've had a great community there. Um, being a panelist there as well. And getting to inspire um, the the younger generation of artists and writers and fantasy lovers, especially the young women who come to this, like I love that. That's my bread and butter. When I see somebody who reminds me of seventeen year old Brittany sitting in that convention, I love that moment. So I have a a piece I'm working on to debut there. So so we'll see. I won best in show there last year. Congrats. So now I have this this itch. This pressure, mm-hmm. the self-imposed pressure to want to go for it again. Um, <laughs> That's really fun. I love that. Ambition. I just, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling, you know, for, for a digital artist, uh, especially a digital fantasy artist, there's not a lot of shows that I can formally show at, you know, galleries, downtown Seattle, understandably, they're like, we don't really need you. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a so a audience. lot of you know fine art, fine art galleries. One, they're not looking for that uh, genre, but they're also not looking for that medium. They're looking for originals, and I have prints. So I love a show like NorwestCon that allows me to show in kind of almost a gallery setting. Um, so that's that's what I have up next. But hopefully, we will add something like Emerald City back on. The roster because I I really do love having a table and it feels like an adventure every time. That's awesome. Where can uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me wherever the internet goes. Um, they can find me <laughs> at torresfantasyart.com, mm-hmm. which is my website. Don't really have an online store up right now, through no fault of the art itself. It's just I haven't got around. <laughs> Maybe in the future. <laughs> Maybe in the future. I do love the fact that right now the only place you can buy the artwork is from is from me personally at mm-hmm. a show and I get to meet you. But in the future, uh, I'm planning on putting it up there and, and sending out to more shows. You can also find me on Instagram at Torres Fantasy Art. Fabulous. Uh, friends and posts. I will have all the links to Brittany's internet presences in the show notes, plus all the conventions that we talked about today. Thanks for being on the podcast, Brittany. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah, everyone, you can find Brushwork at Brushwork Pod over on Instagram. Make good choices. I hope you have a good day. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye.